Brian Flores is headed to Minneapolis to become the defensive coordinator of the Vikings, and I'm left really not thinking all that much about it. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Flores took the position yesterday, apparently falling short of the head coaching position with the Cardinals. And it's really, if you think about it, the totality of it over the past couple of years, it's the kind of a nice ending to a tumultuous story that's, of course, still going on with his active lawsuit against the NFL. And it's one of those where if you combine it with uh, everything that went on in Miami, the disagreement with the owner after the team had done mostly well, and then Mike Tomlin swooping in, the Steelers essentially as a uh, as a franchise and what they represent within the league as far as the Rooney rule and everything else goes, being the one team that you would have expected to have the the gumption to make a move like that. It's it's just a it's a good story. And if he does as well as everyone would expect that he will with a pretty good Minnesota team, he's going to get another head coaching chance. He will. He will. And that'll be an even better story. And you know what? That right there is pretty much my summation of the Flores experience in Pittsburgh. I am not going to downplay what he did in Pittsburgh, but I'm also not going to overblow it. And what can happen this time of year, especially this time of year, there's no access, nothing going on over on South Water Street. Um, there's no news. There's no signings. We're not really close enough to the draft. There's no OTAs coming, no Latrobe, certainly no games other than, of course, the big one this weekend. So something like this can become uh, larger than life among those who follow the team the most passionately and the most closely. It really shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Everything that I've been able to discern about what Flores brought to this team was that he was exactly what he was listed as being, which was the inside linebackers coach and a defensive assistant. Now, what did that mean specifically? Well, the inside linebackers coach should be self-evident. He was working with... Let's name names here. Miles Jack, Devin Bush, Robert Spillane, Mark Robinson. And Robinson was, you know, more of a side project that actually was something that Flores had embraced personally because he loved the kid coming out of college and was influential in that regard as well. His impact as the inside linebackers coach should fairly be measured on, you know, their performance. That's what coaches are there for, to make their players better. Miles Jack was a pretty good player who ran into injury trouble late in the season. Bush was Bush. We don't need to go over that again. Spillane is Spillane. The coaches love his want to. They love his drive. They love everything about him except for the stuff that you don't love about him. Okay, did he get a little bit better? I mean, I guess. Was it weird that he was out there on all third downs when he can't cover anybody? Sure, but that wasn't Flores' fault. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? 
Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. And Robinson, look, we saw why he didn't get a hat near the end, meaning at the very end. He had a terrific performance in Baltimore as a gimmick linebacker who was just there to stunt whatever it was that Baltimore was doing with the running game, and it worked. And then the following week when he was back in a similar role against Cleveland, it really didn't because the Browns smartly exploited the fact that there were a lot of things that he still can't do on an NFL field. So, okay, what's your grade then? I don't know. Defensive assistant, he did other things. He was in on all of the major meetings, just like all of the assistant coaches are. He contributed to the defensive game plan, just like all of the assistant coaches do. And you'll hear anecdotal things about uh, certain extra qualities that he brought. Kenny Pickett just recently brought up how it was Flores who helped him uh, learn how to attack a two-minute offense, meaning how to attack the defenses that he's going to face, what it is that defenses don't want to see from him, what it is that they fear the most. And you know what? Kenny was pretty good, obviously, with those late drives later in the season. Great, wonderful, but those things happen, I'm here to tell you, all the time with all assistant coaches. Was Flores overqualified for the role that he held in Pittsburgh? Yes, of course, absolutely. He was just a head coach somewhere else. But I also get the sense that there's been a feeling among the fan base that Terrell Austin was put in as the defensive coordinator, and then Flores came along later to be the de facto true defensive coordinator, and if only the Steelers hadn't blown it by assigning Austin, then they would have had their guy. And I am I am so very comfortable in telling you that that is not the way they think on the inside. They like Austin. They believe in Austin. You might not. I might not occasionally. But they most definitely do. And they didn't have these same second thoughts and regrets or feelings that Flores should be the D.C. here. And you know how I know that? It's not some hot inside info. I know that because Austin is still the D.C. And they told Flores, go find what you want. You know, go search to your heart's content. Will they be wrong? Will Flores or the Vikings look like geniuses if Minnesota looks great next year and the first time the Steelers have a lousy defensive game, it'll be, look at this, if they let Flores go, or if they didn't let Flores go, none of this would have happened. These are narratives that get built up without a whole lot of backing to them based on perceptions. All I can do is share with you my own perceptions or things that I see, hear, or experience from the inside. And I'm telling you, the Steelers feel like they've got their guy, the same guy they already had. When we come back, J1Q.
This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. who was among several of you who took issue with my opening segment yesterday about how every Super Bowl type of team needs to have five elite or close to elite type of players. And for the Steelers, I counted up only TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick while throwing in a respectful nod to Cam Hayward at his age. On the offensive side, the only guys that I mentioned as possibilities to move into that stratosphere in the very, very near future, because that's what we were talking about, was Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris. I mentioned George Pickens as well. Well, I didn't mention Pat Fryermuth, and that got some people pretty hot, which is fine. I'm glad you're listening. I'm also grateful for any feedback that comes this way. Consider the alternative. I didn't forget about Fryermouth. I just didn't lump him into that. I haven't seen him ascend, even for short stretches, to that level. And whereas I have seen it with Najee, I've seen it with Pickens and obviously a much smaller sample size. And I chose Kenny to include in that group because of the climb, because of the consistent trajectory of his improvement. Week to week to week, Kenny just kept getting better and better and better. To me, for Fryermuth to get into that conversation, and I'm not saying that he can't, it's not, you know, I'm not Nostradamus here, but for Fryermuth to get into it legitimately as opposed to just on potential, I want to see a couple of things from him, one of which is out of his control, which is having a big, just monster game. Have one of those. Just one of those, uh, he's not Travis Kelsey, nobody's Travis Kelsey, but one of those Kelsey type of games, just one where you get into double digit catches and you have, you know, 180, whatever it is, yards and a couple touchdowns where you just look like an unstoppable force. We have seen this in the very recent past with a certain number 83, which I do believe has been in general the bar or the expectation in Pittsburgh for Fryermuth. I don't think it's been set higher than Heath. I think it's been right at Heath. And the second thing, and no one ever talks about this, but he does have to become a better blocker. He's an okay blocker, but he isn't the best blocker in the tight end room. Zach Gentry is. And that, my friends, I can safely say is something that Heath never would have allowed. When Heath was teammates with Matt Spath, who was an excellent blocking tight end in the National Football League, Heath wouldn't allow Spath to be the best blocker in the room. So there's more in there. That's not a shot. It's not a jab. It's not doubting him. It's not about anything that looks into the future. I'm just saying that for him to get into that level that I'm talking about, It's going to take more than what we've seen to date. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody coming 
to Fryermuth's defense. It's, it's it's nice that there's guys on the offense right now that are starting to get some love as opposed to it always being on the other side of the ball. Let's do this again tomorrow. 